Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Susan Sanders. Susan currently is the CEO of Spinderock, helping customers expertly engineer and sustain the employee experience, harnessing workplace technology. Susan's experience includes 15 plus years in the trenches alongside senior HR, IT and communications execs, working to improve the employee experience, including eight years at Willis Towers Watson and three years leading Balaku, a communications technology startup. Susan is passionate about enabling inclusive, compassionate and sustainable workplaces where both the employee and the businesses thrive. Five plus years building solutions that leverage Microsoft 365, 20 plus years as an employee, and a lifetime of experience as a human. Susan is a member of the People's Intelligent Alliance, BARC, and is on the advisory board for the IAMCP Tech Equity Committee. She's also an avid sailor, and an advocate of women and adaptive sailing. She earned her MBA from Arizona State University. Welcome to the show, Susan. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. So Susan, can you share your career journey with us and tell us how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, So I actually started in HR. I didn't start in technology. There wasn't a lot of opportunities. In that time, um, started in HR just as HR technology was starting to emerge. And I discovered I had a real knack for it. Um, I was creating apps for uh, different managers using compensation in one of my first jobs using Excel. And then later at the Dial Corporation, uh, we had this desire to have a website for HR. So I taught myself HTML and created the first HR website and working with a developer created the first benefits enrollment system, which was really exciting. I don't want to give the exact year because then I would date myself. (laughs) (laughs) But in that moment, I decided I liked technology way better than I liked HR. So for the the past 20 years, I, I started being an intranet consultant and have basically stayed in that space during that time. And uh, I've built and designed solutions. So I've have some coding experience. I've sold software. I've consulted around it, implemented software. But then over the last five years, I really made the shift to think more about this as creating better employee experiences. Um, So at one point launched a tech company focused on how to better communicate with employees with uh, an application that could be embedded in SharePoint. And then just last year decided I really wanted to think more broadly, have more impact helping companies 
really thrive uh, through that better experience, but tying that to business outcomes. So that's where I'm at today and just fully consulting and helping organizations with that prospect. That's a great journey. So a couple questions for you around that. Yes. So you said you taught yourself HTML. How mm -hmm. did you do that? How did you decide you were going to do that? What was that aha moment that said, I want to learn more about technology? Was there like a moment that you can remember or did it just happen? Well, I know that when, you know, when I uh, first discovered I, I had a knack, I was sitting at an IBM PC and there was a dot. And, and back in the day when you would run a software application, you had to know a string of code just to make the application run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there wasn't all these great interfaces. Uh, so I, I, I knew I had an aptitude for that. Uh, and, and as the internet was taking off, and I was quite enamored with that, and the prospect came up with, well, what if we had a website where we could put all of our content and you know benefits information and em employees could just get on that? What would that look like? And I'm like, well, I could, I'm sure I could figure that out. I don't remember exactly how I taught myself HTML. I'm sure there was something on the internet. I probably mm -hmm. bought a book, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I just, I just did it. And um, it came quite naturally to me to have some kind of language. And I really loved it because I could do it and see a result versus mm -hmm. trying to describe some kind of outcome and tell that to the person that was going to develop it. So I got to experiment a lot in those days yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. Now, I know your current business and what you're doing now is to create better employee experiences. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because that word gets bantered around a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of definitions of that. But I, I'm first helping companies maybe have a mind shift around what we mean by employee experience. Um, that it's not just the digital experience. It's just not when they have a problem and they call for customer service support. Um, it's not making sure you have uh, free food, foosball tables. You know, there's there's that part of the experience that came out of Silicon Valley. Um, it's really the combination of all that. And it's also more deep, especially in today's world where that employee experience affects things like mental well-being, um, you know, it affects things like whether you're going to stay at that company or not, um, gives employees an opportunity to feel like they have impact. And so when I work with companies, and while there's still a technological element to it, because everything today is enabled by that technology, it's a focused on the experience first. And how can we create better workplace experiences where employees um, feel like they belong and feel respected and engaged and the company is thriving as well? Um, so they, there's a perspective that I bring to my customers. And then it, it varies based on the need. So it could be creating a new learning and development experience that really helps better foster that culture where employees want to learn and have the resources available and can really develop and grow inside the organization. Or it might be the broader employee experience and how do you strategize and roadmap that so that over time you're really in improving that for, for your employees. So um, 
And then, then the underlying technology, most of what I do leverages Microsoft. So how do you then put that into play and how do you execute that using these new guiding principles and using mostly technology you already have in place? I think that's so great because, you know, a lot of organizations kind of think just because you've given somebody new technology, they're going to adopt it and everything's <laughs> going to be great. And that doesn't always happen, right? We do a lot of change in communication management as part of our training, but I think that experience is so important. So I love what you're doing there. Yeah, very, very rarely do you put something in place and people just adopt it. Right. Uh, that whole, you know, build it and they will come. It doesn't really apply in the right. employee experience space. <laughs> right. No, so true. So as you know, this podcast is focused on bridging the employment pay and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry today? Well, I, and Jennifer, I know you've seen these stats too. And, um, you know, the percentage of women in tech was relatively low and only got worse as a result of COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so we know that from the numbers, but I know that from personal experience too. So uh, there, there isn't a time that I'm working with a client that I'm not involved with IT. It's just a, a, a part of what happens. And when I'm on the pure technical side, many times I'm the only female in the room. So you kind of get that sense that you're mm -hmm. a little outnumbered. And I've also been discriminated against um, even as recently as 2018. I mean, it yeah. happened really early, you know, when I was getting started and you you kind of get it. But in 2018, it was like, why we're not going to talk to her because she can't possibly know we will only talk to this other gentleman. And it was like, mm -hmm. I was dumbfounded that in 2018, mm -hmm. um, I couldn't be recognized as being a technology expert. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I think for a lot of women that discourages if you can't feel like you belong, um, if you're not seeing a lot of other women do those jobs, you, you don't identify with that. Um, you know, maybe it's not heavily promoted. I know there's a lot of efforts going on with STEM in, in terms of schools and things like that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues with that. Uh, mm -hmm. However, I have hope because I have the work like Women in Cloud, um, you know, the work that that you and I are doing with tech equity through mm -hmm. IAMCP, where we're really trying to focus on how to bring, give people, give women more skills to encourage them to come into technology, but also some of the role models we have, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, there's so many more women in tech that I see, and I have so many great mentors um, in the industry that I feel this major shift and that we have the momentum and that, you know, through these efforts, we can really start to turn that around. I think you're 100% right. You know, it's 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 changing, but it's changing slowly. It and we, it's a long way away. And role models, I think, is such a key piece because we as women want to see other people in that role. Um, so that we can imagine ourselves in that role. If we see men in the role, we are not going to be able to identify or, you know, kind of think of ourselves in that role. So we need more and more women role models every day. And um, so that is so true. It's really, really critical for us to support and encourage and bring along women 
bring their confidence to a level right. that they feel that they can do this, right? Right. And I think not just that they can do it, but that they can be successful at it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, the other part is, is that I think whether uh, we're conscious of it or not, we want to see ourselves in a successful role. So, right. you know, that that's kind of where your eye goes. And I definitely see a shift in that even, um, you know, with some of the tech startups starting to see, you know, a lot more women entrepreneurs, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it has to change. Like there's the, we want it to change. We, we want more diversity. We want more women in tech, but we need more women in tech. <laughs> there's, right. there's this other side of the, you know, future demands in the workforce and, you know, every company is going to be a tech company in a certain sense. I mean, healthcare companies. I know like Kaiser is a healthcare company, uh, you know, out of Oakland, California, but they have an IT team that's over 5,000 employees strong because uh-huh. they rely so much on technology to to um, allow their healthcare workers and allow information to get to patients, all of that type of thing. It's become a center point of that organization. So more and more companies are going to be tech companies. The demands are going to increase. And that's going to be where there will be future success and where they're needed. Um, And I think that there's easier for women today, but I don't think we can take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, That just because it's shifting to your point, it's it's kind of slow, right? Like it should be further along than it than it was. And we're not there. Yeah, it's 2022 and <laughs> yeah. we're still talking about moving it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, the, the yeah. funny thing is, is I don't feel like sometimes I forget that there's a difference. And I think that's because I happen to work with a lot of great men where I forget mm-hmm. that I'm an anomaly sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel the same way, yeah. And it would be great if every woman felt that way, right? Like it's mm-hmm. there is no difference. It's, it's mm-hmm. not exceptional to be a woman in technology. That's the goal. Yeah. And inclusivity is so important today. Inclusion is so important today. And I think we are making a shift. I really see that. And, you know, through collective efforts, we're going to get there. We can't do it by one person. We all need to do a little bit and it moves the needle, you know, but we've got to keep moving it continuously. And I think the biggest part is to build our pipeline for the future. So Mm -hmm. to encourage girls at an early age to start thinking about science and technology so that they're interested in it and they're aware of it. If we wait too long, and usually the window is eight to 13, if we wait till after that, we're not gonna get their buy-in and we're gonna end up at the same place we are today. Right, I I do agree. And it's a concerted effort because I think there's still to this day, so many influences at that age that they, you know, like, the thought of being in tech might sound boring or geeky. Like there's still a little bit of that rhetoric mm-hmm. out there. And so it does require diligence in order to inspire that generation uh, mm-hmm. to really get involved with this. Yeah, no, that's true. So let's talk about leadership in tech. So what do you think it takes to be a great leader? And then what are some of the challenges you've overcome in your career that we can learn from? I mean, this, so leadership is a really hot topic right right now Mm -hmm. and what makes a great leader. Um, You you know, certainly the very obvious things like empathy. um, Mm -hmm. And I like how Satya talks about it because it's not empathy, like warm, fuzzy empathy. It's about 
just understanding where your customer or your employees or whoever it is where they're at. And I see so many leaders as I work in these different organizations that are so out of touch um, with their, you know, with employees that they're probably not even understanding that there is an issue, much less what are the underlying issues of why they might not have the right representation of women in tech in their organizations. Um, the other thing I think it makes it takes to be a great leader, and I think just a great individual, is uh, curiosity and that willingness to think you don't know it all. Uh, it's something I talk about a lot around expertise in today's world, that if you're out there today and you say you're an expert, you're probably not, because the world has changed so much that what worked uh, three years ago doesn't necessarily apply today. So that idea that we need to be open-minded and be willing to pivot, be willing to rethink things, be willing to recognize new forms of expertise and um, in order to, to make good change and to move forward. So I think those are, are two key things to be a savvy leader, is not to be so embedded in your own knowledge and not to get out of touch um, with the people that, that are in your organization and in your community as well. I love I love what you said about curiosity, um, and if you think you're an expert, you're probably not. I immediately thought about the cloud. We right. have the cloud is changing on a minute by minute basis. Not even three years ago or six months ago. <laughs> so our poor instructors, when they teach, they can look at the the lab environment the night before, get ready, get prepared, and they mm -hmm. come in the next morning and it looks completely different. <laughs> so you have to have that open mind. You have to have that curiosity to say, oh, it was here. Where did it go? How do I get to it? And how do I make this all happen smoothly for my students, you know? So it is so critical to have that open mind today. So well said. Thank you. Yeah, I'm imagining that just in in learning in general, um, you know, the, how do we focus that towards leaders? Like there's, as all these things change, they need to be learning consumers as well. Um, and it's a whole personality piece in there. Like some people, you know, they want to be the expert and they're going to say, I'm the expert. I know what's going on. And that might be true for, you know, maybe a month ago. <laughs> and I, I always say what I know today makes the decisions today, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I can change my mind because I have new set of data at that point. <laughs> right. That's a great perspective. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. So uh, any challenges that you can think of that you've overcome in your career that maybe could be a learning lesson for us, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, one was I feel like at one point in time, I was that person that <laughs> wanted to be the expert and be recognized at it, even though I've always been you know, pretty good at being a, a change agent. There's still some ego. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so just remembering that. Um, to listen to others because you don't know it all either. So like, listen to your own lessons. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, standing up for myself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. you know, I know that um, ha I have no regrets, but there are times where you have to have the tough conversations and um, be really 
aware of what it is you want to accomplish and go for that. And I think from time to time, I let things happen or I stuck around with something too long and never really took my own interests and well-being to the forefront. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny because I feel like that's a recent thing that I've overcome. And a lot of that came about through uh, Women in Cloud. Mm-hmm. And really, really interesting that you have this opportunity to do something and the outcome you expect isn't the outcome that you get. Um, <laughs> but it gave me a certain perspective to really define what I want to do and then make it very clear that that's what I wanted to do and that's who I am and not to pivot from that. And then that attracts the people that you need to be in your circle to have better collaboration, to have uh, more business, to just have a happier day when you come into work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an, another big challenge. Only recently have I overcome, but uh, just to have really seen a lot of benefit from that. That's great. That's that's great to be able to, you know, I would say 90% of people don't know who they are and don't know what they want, you know, right. uh, a very high percentage. I was reading something, an article about this, and I was just shocked that, you know, some days I think, okay, I know what I want. And then some days I'm like, I don't know where I want to go when I grow up. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's so funny, Jennifer, because I've always felt like I never knew what I wanted to be when I grow up. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm not quite grown up yet. No, not yet. <laughs> so, Susan, we're both extremely passionate about learning in the tech industry. I mean, we we talk about that all the time. Yes. So what do you think we can do to scale our efforts so that we can make a difference and see change sooner than later? And I know you're doing some of this stuff already. So, you know, tell us some of the things that we can do together so that we can, you know, see that difference. Right. Um. Well, one of the things I know we've talked about this is thinking about um, when we're talking about training, especially in the technology space, um, you know, like that, there's this underlying tech thing that doesn't always get covered. So there's a couple of ways that that plays out. Um, One is like, um, how do how does a company do something in their organization versus how do you just use a software? So yeah. piece of software. So, you know, the idea of like how to take advantage of software, good examples and, um, you know, illustrations and that kind of ongoing knowledge that might come and learning that comes from understanding the fundamentals of an application. But also it was really interesting around um, like meeting people where they're at. So I, I was working with one of my clients and uh, I, you know, I asked her to, she was showing me something on her screen. I'm like, well, you know, just paste it in. And she said to me, how do I do that? And I said, oh, well, you know, you just do control V and she put that in. She goes, oh, that's an awesome tip. And I'm like, you know, you're welcome. And I didn't make a big deal of it. And later she said, she thanked me because she said, sometimes, you know, I just came back into the workforce mm-hmm. and I was gone at a time for a time where this started to be the normal thing where everyone had time to catch up on all of this. And now I step back in and I don't even know some of these really simple, basic things. Mm -hmm. And she said, thank you for meeting me where I'm at. So I I think that, yes. And then, you know, back to our original conversation of getting women in tech, like maybe getting women back into tech, um, you know, that's a simple example, 
But when you think about um, coming into an organization, especially if you haven't worked in tech, like say you just came through a digital skilling program, what do you really need to know about using that technology? And, you know, not just um, the technology itself, but kind of what are the protocols and, you know, maybe some Uber beginner type of courses. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the delivery of that as well with some of these new tools that are coming back. How can we leverage technology to better get learning in the flow of work? You know, you made me think of something in the technology field and, I never thought of this before, but I can see why women's confidence uh, just gets diluted because in the technology field, we don't meet people where they are at. We always try to one up somebody, you know, mm-hmm. in an acronym and another language. <laughs> and you're talking about all these things that mean nothing to most people. And we don't stop to say, Let, let's clarify. Let me tell you what this acronym means. You know, we just don't do that in technology. And that's that's pretty intimidating. Well, yeah, that and if you step out, to, um, you know, because there was a time in my life when, and where I had to. Um, take a leave, an extended leave for like nine months, and you you step back in, and the world had changed. Like mm-hmm. there were new apps, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, there were changes to the apps we already used, and so, you know, and and, and women tend to step out. Let's like, say it's for maternity or mm-hmm. to care for. Like we know that that happens. Then you know, how do they catch up? Because that you know that new app rollout and implementation happened nine months ago. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, so you know, how do we make sure that we're giving people the skills they need to be successful? Um, and technology keeps changing. So yes, you know, I mean, we're constantly even in our workload. Like it's amazing. Like what happens from the time you sign off at five o'clock till the next morning. Because there's emails going around, there's conversations happening, you can come in the morning and you can say, oh, you know, you're talking about something that somebody is like, wait a minute, I was here <laughs> the whole day yesterday, but right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that happened to one of our employees many, many years ago. Uh, she said, you know, I have kids and, you know, after five, I can't sign on because it's just too hard for me. And I right. said, that's fine. You know, you need that time. That's fine. And probably within a week, she started signing on after the kids went to bed because she says, I don't want to be left out because you guys yeah. are talking about stuff that I've not, I don't know anything about. And I've been at work every day. Right. So, so, so it's not even months, it's hours. No. Right, right. It's ours, yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question because you talked about scale. So I don't know if there was, that's a little bit different where I was talking more about approach. So I wasn't for sure. You said a couple things about, yeah, you said a couple things that I think will achieve scale. One is applying what you learn rather than just learning the steps, you know, understand the why behind what you're learning rather than just the how. And I think that is huge in scaling efforts. If people can understand the why, then the how becomes so much easier. And we've had employees, you know, early on where they didn't understand the why and they would do step by step and they would just do that. And it didn't meet the criteria when the end result came out because they didn't understand what they were doing that for. Mm. And so the why I think is critical and that really helps us scale. Scale means like take it to a big level, you know, take take it out to to market, evangelize it, let people all adopt it. That's really the change we want to make as as, um, a team, you know, 
in the technology in industry as women so that we can put stuff out there that people just grab onto and adopt. And now we're going to see that change go viral, basically. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. You did. You did answer the question. And okay, great, good. <laughs> great and I love the meeting people where they're, where they're at because people just don't think of that. I mean, that just happened this week. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's, and I turned that around and also said, and that's like how you can think about your learning and development program, because that's what the project was about. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting how that like inspired her to think right. differently about like the content and how and who they needed to reach in the organization. Um, so I, I, I took that away as a nugget. That's like a really important thing to remember to meet people where they're at, because it's about you're going to feel like you don't belong and you're not going to feel success. Like all those things. It's about you feel like you belong when you contribute, when you're successful and, you know, and you don't feel like you're out of place because right. you don't have some of those skills. Um, I thought about how that's like a really powerful nugget and that just happened this week. So, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so what are three things you're extremely passionate about? So if you had to say, you know, here's the top things on my list, what, what would they be? Well, obviously employee experience, but mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of more specifically, I set out uh, the beginning of 2020, 2021 to focus on a, a couple of areas uh, more specifically. And so within that space, um, mental health is really important to me. Mm -hmm. So um, and I have a, a post that's coming out soon that talks about mental health in the workplace and how it's not enough for companies just to provide services when things go wrong and to be supportive, but to look at their own practices that are actually contributing towards poor mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, workplace stress is uh, like really high. Uh, people have issues with their managers. Those are things that are actually contributing to it. So there might be like fix yourself, don't try and fix your employees type of mm -hmm. approach. Um, mm -hmm. And getting some of those messages out because I see and have experienced myself um, some pretty detrimental, like, uh, gut wrenching where I, I just lost, you know, my own sense of worth. That's mm -hmm. not what we want to generate, <laughs> I think, as businesses for our employees. So uh, that's one area. Uh, sustainability is another area I'm actively engaged with, working with some uh, radical collaboration group out of Denver and thinking about sustainability, not just environmental sustainability, but um, more along the lines of ER, ER, uh, not ERG, ESG standards. Mm -hmm. And um, this notion of, and I don't know if you heard me say in the beginning, but a great employee experience and great business outcomes. So, you know, thinking about how like these win-win situations where employees win and the organization wins and they become viable and sustainable. Um, and they're viable in their communities as well. So sustainability models um, are important to me and underlie a lot of the work that I do with my clients as well. And then uh, digital inclusion, which is a part about not just for women, but um, in communities that are disadvantaged, like how do we um, close that gap, not even just in the job market, but in general. And so I'm actively involved um, in a couple of different ways on digital inclusion, um, 
I just recently became the, the chair for Chicago at IMCP as the um, advocacy chair, which is deeply involved um, with uh, Voices for Innovation and also involved with um, Accelerate Chicago, which is a Microsoft program that's mm -hmm. helping to get those communities uh, more involved in digital upskilling. Um, so I don't only really just have a passion about it and talk about it. I'm trying to to get involved in ways to have impact as well. That's great. That is so great. Thank you for all your great work around that. Um, so I love to travel and, you know, I love to see different places, experience different cultures, um, really get get into the places I'm at. So I love to ask this question. What is your most favorite place that you've traveled to and why? And it doesn't have to be a glamorous place. It just has to give you a good feeling that I love this place. I want to come back. Well, there are, it's hard to pick just one. One, I know. <laughs> um, top, top, top on your list so that I can put it on my bucket list. <laughs> I, I, so um, I, I, I kind of want to have a tie. Um, I, I had the opportunity to sail around Croatia on the islands mm -hmm. of Croatia, um, which is beautiful and historic. Um, it was on, you know, with just a few of my friends. And it was also very freeing because we could kind of go places and just um, put out an anchor and mm -hmm. we didn't have to be in some busy port or something like that. And, and so it was kind of magical. But I think ultimately my, one of my favorite places and I look forward to going back again and again is, um, is Yellowstone. Mm. And I have been there, you know, a few different times and one was in spring as the lakes were starting to melt and all the you know baby animals were out and then oh, you know man. just plus that just the beauty and the uh, geological spots there's just like so much to see and it's so different it's so amazing that I think that that whole area and, and Wyoming like it's just it's stunning and beautiful and peaceful and uh, really one of my favorite places on earth. Definitely want to add that to my list. I have. Oh, you have there, to but, go. No, I have to go. And do you feel that your experience each time is different, even though you're going to the same place? Absolutely, because mm -hmm. um, be, because time of year makes a big difference. You know, if you if you go in spring, there's not a lot of of crowds, mm -hmm. um, but there's also some places you can't go because it's mm -hmm. still the roads are still closed. So you know mm -hmm. you. Yeah, when you go in summer, a lot more people, but then there's a lot more things to experience and see. So um, any time of year you go is going to feel a little bit different. And any year you go, because, you know, it, it just changes there. Mm -hmm. um, and there might, you know, like you might be there. That's the day that one geyser goes off and it hasn't gone off in 20 years. You never know. So yeah. that's <laughs> um, great. I love yes. that. So I definitely will put that on my list. Um, so Susan, this has been such a pleasure. I just could talk to you all day and all night. <laughs> um, so in closing, what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in technology? Uh, first of all, yes, do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but more specifically, um, and I, you know, I said it before is, you know, it may not be something that you even can consider anymore when we think about that, uh, what I was saying about all companies being tech companies, that if you're looking at a professional path, there's some kind of technical knowledge you need to have. And 
um, you know, and don't be intimidated by it and don't fear it. Um, we can all be in technology. And so, you know, consider that, that you're at some point kind of needing to be in tech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also think, don't think of tech as just being a software engineer. Like I, it's something that, that always interests me that I think like when we say women in tech, there's so many different ways to be in tech. Um, I mean, I mentioned like I've sold software, I've implemented software, I've, I've designed experiences in software. Um, there's a lot of ways to be involved in tech that don't require coding or, you know, cybersecurity or, um, you know, QA or something like that. Uh, so think of where your superpowers are and how you can apply it to tech in order to be in tech. Um, I think we're going to need a lot more of those people than we are um, tech engineers uh, or software engineers. And so um, those are the two main things that that I would say is that, um, you know, don't don't exclude it because you're not going to have that opportunity for much longer. Yeah, yeah no, that's great advice. And, um, you know, mentioning not every job is a coding job, you know, so tech has so much variety and there's, like you said, everything is going to revolve around tech. So think about well, where your passion is, your superpower is and go for it. I think you're an example, right? Like mm -hmm. you're training in tech. That is one of the most important, important parts of this and mm -hmm. that's a way to be in tech um is to help others use it better use it i yep. think you're a perfect yep. example thanks that's great so susan in closing can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you sure um you can reach me on my website we didn't talk much about my company um spinder rock but you can reach me on spinderrock.com um, you can also feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm assuming that that might be something that you post, mm -hmm. Jennifer. So that, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put you to be saying it. Okay. Yes, in, into the um, notes, the show notes, and so people will have that link uh, so they can access it both to your LinkedIn profile as well as that. Okay. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you, Susan. This was such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Um, Likewise, having you hopefully in the future again. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.